0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to BrainX Talks. I'm your host, Ashish Khanna. BrainX Talks is an attempt to engage in conversations with leading figures and their work at the crossroads of machine learning and healthcare. I, Ashish Khanna, serve as an associate professor and vice chair for research and director of the Perioperative Outcomes and Informatics Collaborative here at Wake Forest School of Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Clinically, I'm working as an intensivist as an anesthesiologist, but I do spend a lot of my time in research, education, and innovation around perioperative and critical care outcomes. I am one of the founding members of the BrainX group and the BrainX community, and today I am super excited to welcome to our podcast, Dr. Harvey Castro. Welcome, Harvey, and thank you for being here.
1: Honored to be here, and i really enjoying it already, so thanks for having me.
0: Excellent, excellent, excellent. So uh, we're going to introduce uh, Harvey to our listeners. And uh, I'll tell you that there's a lot more to this than than this um, uh, short and succinct bio that, that he sent to me. But, you know, over two decades of experience as a physician, an entrepreneur, a former CEO of a medical healthcare system. Wow, that's great. We'd like to talk about that. And an author. And he's passionate about leveraging AI to transform healthcare delivery and outcomes. And he is also a strategic advisor of the the one thing in AI that has completely consumed us in the last six months or so, which is ChatGPT. So he has recently released a book, ChatGPT and Healthcare, The Key to the new future of medicine and um, i'd be excited to uh, talk more about this book and 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 l- listen and learn from him Furthermore, um, Dr. Castro is working with healthcare professionals and AI developers to create and implement AI adoption plans and identify innovative AI applications and drive the integration of AI solutions. His overarching aim is to bridge the gap between AI technology, healthcare services, and strategic decision-making with a focus on ensuring alignment of AI with, you know, what we do as clinicians, that is, you know, clinical needs with data integrity, with technological compatibility and and staff training. And he also shares his insights and visions through his books. And like like I said, a very important book that he just released, his other publications, his public speaking engagements, and, and also to increase awareness and inspire action. On AI's transformative potential, so we we love talking to people with with who give a positive spin to AI, um, but but definitely I'm I'm going to talk to him also about the challenges of AI in healthcare, and because clearly there's you know well there's a lot of positivity, there's a lot of challenges. But I'm going to start us off today with you know very typically asking Harvey to sort of summarize his story. What is your story Harvey? what got you started and why are you here in the world of AI and healthcare today?
1: well, I appreciate the uh, intro amazing <laughs> thank you so much uh, for summarizing um you know I, I like giving my back background story and I go I sit back twice because. It defines who I am, and it defines why I'm doing all this stuff. If you go on my LinkedIn and you see all the stuff I've done, you're you're like, okay, this guy doesn't sleep, or he he's an overachiever, or he's doing too much. But but if I go over my background, and I'll do it right now, it'll explain why my my strong why. I grew up in New York City, really humble beginning, literally with nothing. Uh, grew up in poverty, didn't know about my next meal, and grew up in the horrible healthcare system in the sense that I, I didn't have insurance and my experience of healthcare was was pretty bad. Um, fast forward, I always wanted to do more for, and it sounds cliche-ish, but more for humanity, more for others. Um, when I was in undergrad, I was helping people get into medical school and I myself hadn't gotten accepted, but I was still helping. When I was in med school, I was doing cliff notes and helping people and uh, helping them get higher grades. And I didn't care if they were going to beat my spot in residency because my goal was to help. And then later, uh, you know, I did a crazy different stuff as far as like starting my own vitamin company, started over 30 iPhone apps. And uh, I'll pause there. I was in the emergency room uh, coding a patient. The iPhone one had just come out. And I told the nurse, hey, (laughs) there there was
0: an iPhone 1. I love it. I love it. (laughs) This is getting interesting. Keep going. And
1: and, uh, I was coding a patient and um, I told the nurse, hey, we need to start dopamine. Let's start at this drip, freight, blah, blah, blah. And the nurse was like, one minute, got a textbook out, started thumbing through it, and then finally got to the medicine and said, okay, let's start the drip. And I looked at her, I'm like, hey, this patient's coding. And, you know, obviously I just graduated residency. And I was like, we we need to really get going. And um, I thought there's got to be a better way And the cliche uh, statement. And I said, you know what? I'm going to work on IV meds and I'm going to teach myself how to program. And fast forward, I, I launched the first IV med in the world and it hit the top 10. And then from there, I thought, wow, let me just keep working on healthcare ideas as a doctor and put on... Uh, you know, the IT brain. And then at that point, the first app did so well that I was like, I can actually hire a team now. So I started hiring a team to help me. And then the reason I like giving that story is fast forward, um, playing with ChatGPT, it's November of 2022. And I thought, holy cow, it was that I've, iPhone moment that I had, that I had started all these apps and all these things. And I thought, let me let me write a book on ChatGPT and let me talk about how to use it in healthcare and what it can do and and i really think it's going to revolutionize healthcare let me teach my doctors and my nurses and i remember telling my wife i was oh this is over december over the holidays so she's like what are you doing you're so busy i'm like i'm writing a book <laughs> and she's like on what and i'm like chat gpt and she's like you know nobody knows about chat gpt except for you you know that <laughs> you're in the one percent here and i'm like i don't care i'm gonna write a book And then I I had it ready in the summer. Does she still
0: say that, uh, Harvey?
1: (laughs) You know, she's the best wife in the sense that she's polar opposite. And so you need somebody to kind of bring you down or not bring you down, but like level you. You know, like she tells me the opposite of what I want to hear, which is good. Uh, You don't want to hear yeses all the time. so. Mm Uh, she's anti-technology, and it's funny because you know I'm the opposite, uh, but it's good because it gives me her perspective and why she's worried about AI and gives me all the worries and sends me all these uh, information of stuff she reads, which is great because it gives me an idea of what the opposite side of me wants to say. And so fast forward, I published the book as a public service announcement, came out January 5th, 2023. And since then, I've actually published 11 more books on, most of them are AI and healthcare, but I've gone into other verticals in AI. But it's just been a fascinating story with AI, and, and I'm glad to be here to kind of share all of that.
0: Wow, um, truly fascinating. And and to think that all of this started with the, the the very famous iPhone one and and they struggle to to find an appropriate medication dosing for a patient in, in crises. crisis and um, just curious uh, if you'd like to uh, tell us what was that IV medication that you um, that you uh, worked on as your first uh, you know uh, foray into healthcare uh, research and and development.
1: Yeah, so it was pretty basic. It was just, I went through all the common drugs that we use in the emergency room and I indexed them and I made a pretty simple, simple, it was almost a a PDF, a glorified PDF that you could tap and then the app would just kind of scroll you down. So, you know, it was really, really basic, but nobody else had done it. So it was pretty simple. It would, you know, give you a menu of drugs Mm -hmm. and then you would tap on it. Then it would take you to the weight, then you would tap on the weight. And then once you tapped on the way, it take you to the to the actual dose, which was just a glorified table. But at the time, nobody had anything like that, and that's probably all I could come up with myself. So after that, it did so well that I thought, man, let's let's have some fun. Let's start seeing what are the problems we have, and let's fix them with apps.
0: Hmm. Wonderful. Well, uh, let's also talk about Chat GPT, and and uh, you know we we talk about it it being chat gpt almost every day now and um you know you already sort of told us in your introduction that that you wrote this book can you tell our listeners more about this book and you know what they're going to find inside and and sort of a sneak peek into how um you know it's what is this about?
1: Yeah, so kind of like everything. I'm gonna. Uh, uh, we're all doctors. So I can una- give the analogy. We we go through pre med, we go through med residency, and then we hit the real world, and and it becomes something else from our training. Sort of similar in my books. My first one was very ten thousand feet high, and then the more I got into it, the more I realized, wait a second, there's other large language models out there that are pretty darn good. They just haven't been released, or we just haven't played with them. And so, as you look at the books, I'm going to actually uh, do a selfish plug in to take a look at my Bing Copilot and other LLMs book, which is mm-hmm. Revolutionizing Healthcare with AI. And the reason I highlight that is because I feel like the audience we're speaking to probably has already played with ChatGPT, probably already is trying to use it in their practice. And need something more than just the basics. So looking at a, at a bell curve, we're probably talking to uh, listeners out there that really have have great insight and obviously through BrainX, which I love, by the way. And so Thank what you. will they find in Bing Copilot? I, I started doing a, a, a combination for doctors. Some doctors are just starting, but have started and some haven't. And so it was really difficult to write. So what I put in there was, okay, everybody has access to Bing Copilot, um, let's start going through that as an LLM, but then let's talk about Glass Health AI and other large language models and BARD and MedPOM2 to kind of introduce this new wave. Um, this was released in March. And at the time I thought, you know, Bing. I'm sorry, uh, ChatGPT4 with the multimodality portion of it, I thought, let me start adding, what things can we find in healthcare as an ER doctor? I added an area about the the simple example is, you know, I get overdose patients, why not take a picture of their medicine, and then AI could identify that medicine, I put a little clinical vignette of how the patient presented, and now AI can say, you know what, this is a tunnel overdose, and then assuming this is all done eventually uh, behind an EMR, the pharmacist can say, wait, Dr. Castro has a tunnel overdose, here's his weight, her weight, uh, I'm going to go ahead and send the antidote because I know he's about to ask for it. And so, boom. And so these are the ways that I see AI being used and slash kind of what I put in the book.
0: Interesting. So uh, it's, it's sort of a, a sneak peek into the into the future and sort of uh, clinical applications of ChatGPT in, in a real world environment that people can learn from. Is that sort of correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, Harvey, let's just talk about uh, the leadership journey for a second. So, you know, you've been in a position that you've been a leader of a uh, healthcare institution. And, you know, I I know that leaders today are also looking at AI and healthcare really, really closely. So, just wearing that hat for a second, um, what do you think a, a CEO of an institution is looking for? In, in AI technology as it impacts healthcare, especially when it comes to making purchases, key purchases for the institution in, in terms of AI healthcare technology?
1: Yeah. I think the number one thing the C-suite's looking at is uh, making sure that this instrument is HIPAA compliant. The other part of it is a lot of them want to know how it works. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately the average CEO is playing with ChatGPT, but in my opinion, they're playing with the wrong AI. They're they're probably playing with 3.5, which hallucinates more than 4.0, and they're probably uh, listening to the wrong people. And they're saying, "Oh, this this is not going to work in healthcare, or this is wrong. It has hallucinations, you know, lawsuits." So they're they're kind of some of them are steering away to the point where they're telling uh, their IT department to block OpenAI on their domain so that nobody at the hospital system can even get on OpenAI.com because they're so worried about the HIPAA compliance, which I totally understand and I agree. Um, so those are some of the things when I speak to s- some leaders, why they're not jumping in on, on chat GPT p- equivalent. or, And I say equivalent because, you know, obviously we all know that there's BARD and there's bedpomp 2 and there's other other projects coming
0: yeah interesting and you talked about sort of blocking open ai on on a um on on the you know on on a on the hospitals platforms i i think that's that's a negative way of doing things i think in the end it's open ai for a reason and you know people are going to access it it needs to be open and like with everything else it needs to have some guardrails set around it and i think that probably would be the more mature way of doing it
1: Exactly, and I think it's just a lack of understanding. And what started as a public service announcement has become more of a mission for me. I, I enjoy teaching, I enjoy talking <laughs> to different leaders and saying, hey, this this is the good, the bad, and the unknown about this technology, but this is how you can start using it today. And so I agree with you, we we definitely need guardrails, we need to obviously protect our patients. As an entity, I think physicians, we all want the best for our patients and we wanna make sure we we comply with HIPAA. But simultaneously, there's this big disruptor in the GPT world, and and it's creating all these new ways of doing healthcare, and and it's going to take a learning curve. You know, unfortunately, there's not many physicians that have a strong AI background, and so from a leadership point of view, at every hospital, it's, it becomes tough. Thank God, you guys have BrainX, and we have amazing doctors, and you're educating, and your platform, and that helps. But you know, the average hospital doesn't have. Someone like you on their on their staff that can understand this technology and help them.
0: So, talking about sort of the um, the challenges, there are challenges in in AI and healthcare, and you know. We, over the years, you know we've always looked at the balance between oh the, the 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 good side of AI and sort of you know what are the key challenges and why we cannot take AI to the bedside as frequently as we would want to. Um, you know now with Chat GPT, there comes these additional challenges around how people will use or misuse it. What do you identify as the biggest challenges of uh, AI and healthcare in in, in general?
1: Gosh, there's so many pain points from a, from a, let's hit the different pain points. From a patient's point of view, I'm worried that it's going to replace quote unquote, Dr. Google and Mm -hmm. patients are going to start using uh, this technology and think in their mind that there is no hallucination, that it's pretty accurate. And even when it sounds great, not realize that it's actually all wrong. And so that's from a personal point and mission. I've worried that patients are going to hurt themselves and, the bigger picture, obviously, outside of hurting themselves would be the worst case would be if they kill themselves, not knowing, you know, taking the wrong medicine or, or, or you know, getting the wrong meds, thinking, oh, I just self-diagnosed and a friend has this pill and I'm going to start taking it. The other part of this is from a physician's point, I worry on many fronts. One a patient, you can tell them don't use ChatGPT or anything like that, but they're still going to do it. You know, I remember days when I was in residency and people were using Dr. Google and my friends were upset, but that's just the way of life. So we need to adapt. On a medical side, I'm also worried that doctors, two parts, they may not know. <laughs> Believe it or not, some doctors still don't know about AI or ChatGPT. And I know that sounds weird to say, but some really don't <laughs> understand the concept. And 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 when you ask them, they're like, what are you talking about? And I worry for those doctors because patients are going to start having outputs from ChatGPT. They're going to show up in the office saying, hey, ChatGPT told me this. And if your response is, what is ChatGPT? You're going to lose credibility from your patients. And so that's another challenge. Uh, Third, I feel like some doctors are not using AI correctly. (laughs) I ask them and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm using ChatGP3, the free one. And I'm doing X and Y. And I'm like, wow, you know, if if you are going to be using it. Pay the twenty bucks. It helps with the decrease in hallucination, but then you're getting a better output. And so all these different challenges uh, are there. But with that said, I'm still very hopeful. I, I I see a lot of companies and startups that are working with um, a- uh, APIs to start creating different products, and and I'm excited. You know, obviously the big heavy hitters are Epic uh, working with OpenAI and working with Microsoft and. Uh, I'm curious to see how what comes out of that because I think it's going to help solve a lot of these questions and pain points from HIPAA and how they're addressing HIPAA and how they're uh, putting it into EMRs and stuff like that. That's going to be really good to see.
0: Yeah, certainly a, a, a evolution of uh, <laughs> of things and a very rapidly evolving field. And 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 I'm sure that you know if if we did the same podcast six months from now or a year from now. Um, maybe the landscape would have changed dramatically this and that's one thing I feel about AI and healthcare is that it, it is changing so rapidly that um you know what is what is exciting today is stale news tomorrow and and um you know you 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 nailed it when you said that <clears throat> you know folks still don't know what what chat GPT is or or um, you know, large language models are. And and I think the time has already come where our patients will, will ask us, you know, this is what ChatGPT told me about this problem. So I think we got to stay up to date with, with what's happening and know what's happening. And so that's a segue into my next question, which is what is sort of Harvey Castro's vision for AI in healthcare? 10 years from now, and I know that this can, you know, you can let your imagination run loose, but I, you know, I, I, I ask my, uh, you know, podcast guests to be realistic with this vision because certainly we we're not, you know, we're, we're not going to say, oh, we're going to be on Mars and we're going to do this and do that. No, <laughs> you're going to stay realistic. Right. So what's your realistic vision of AI and healthcare 10 years from now?
1: Yeah. Honestly, I see a, a, a multiple things that will happen. Um, I'm going to preface and say that do not be surprised if what I say happens outside of the United States first before mm-hmm. it happens here in the States. And my rationale behind it is we have lobbyists. We have a lot of, of companies that don't want to see change, and they're going to make sure that the laws and regulations are set in such a way that this won't be happen overnight. And our risks versus benefits of the things I'm about to say vary in the United States versus other countries. And I won't name a country, but let's just say third world countries. Third world countries mm-hmm. have a different need than the United States when it comes to healthcare. And so fast forward, here are the things that I think will happen. Obviously, we we know we have wearables, we have um AI, we have virtual reality, we have augmented reality. In the future, I think all of that is going to go into one. It, it, every system will start talking to the other, and, and it'll be a combined uh, effect. When you talk to your iWatch, your iWatch obviously is taking your, your pulse, it to your EKG, but then simultaneously it's throwing all that information to Apple Health, and then all the other wearables and all the other devices are talking into one. I like giving examples, and so this is an example that I I, I tend to talk about, and I mentioned this at AI Med because someone asked me the same question, and, and here's here it is. So I'm a patient, wake up at two in the morning, I'm having chest pain. In the future, everybody will have their own large language model equivalent on their phone. It may not need the internet because it's already on the phone, and so what will happen is Someone obviously should be calling 911, but instead they're going to talk into their phone and their phone's going to say, Yeah, this looks like it could be a heart attack. Let me put you on the phone and simultaneously call a Tesla equivalent to come get you. Hmm. The phone says, Oh, uh, there's, I'm going to geofence you, and the, lo- the closest ER is this one. You won't know this, but then it'll ping the local doctor that is triaging for the ER or the nurse equivalent, and they'll pop up in the screen and go through all the symptoms and say, yes, the, the Tesla equivalent is coming. You jump in the Tesla. The doctor's still seeing you. The Tesla has already a robot that's connected to OpenAI that's talking to OpenAI, so it has tecti- tactile function. Its vision is actually cameras. The camera already, all the stuff I'm telling you already exists. The camera has the vision so it can look at you and say, okay, this is his blood pressure based on the vision because there's already that information that can be obtained from just a camera. The, uh, just as an aside, the hemoglobin A1C can be taken from the camera. Mm-hmm. And so now you're getting all these vitals in real time. The AI is communicating to the doctor. The doctor's there virtually. The doctor's like, you know what? We need to give you an aspirin immediately the inside the car, there's a place that starts printing pills. It starts printing the aspirin. It makes the aspirin. You take the pill, you walk into the ER. I'm going to fast forward. And, you know, you do all the stuff. You see it ends up being gas. We put them on protonics or some Pepsid, send the patient home. Patient wakes up, pees, poops. That information is analyzed again this technology already exists, analyzes, and it gives all the metabolites and what's going on in the chemistries and whatnot. And the doctor's like, you know what, we need to adjust this patient's medicine based on this information. And now that those pills start printing for, we're going to change that medicine. That whole scenario that I said, I foresee that happening in the next 10 years.
0: All right. Well, uh, listen, I was trying to like visualize all of that in my head as you were going through it. And I found it um, not just, you know, I was, look, I was thinking about it and then I was thinking about how we do things today. And believe it or not, I, I thought that like you, I thought this was doable. Uh, it's a realistic uh, future. And how nice would it be if we actually managed to get there because I know you know, despite the fact that you know we we feel that we have a robust system in place and patients get great health care they 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 reach emergency rooms in time and and so on and so forth, but how many of the um of the uh of the of the uh problems this would circumnavigate and and this would make things way easier in fact, I'm thinking this would make things easier for the receiving e r doctor. Or nurse downstream because you're hopefully going to be able to filter out a lot of the chest pains that don't necessarily mean a myocardial infarction or a myocardial event, right? So you're going to be able to unload hospitals a little bit as well. So there's, yes. this is this is yeah. I mean, and and uh, and I hope that uh, we're going to talk about this uh, someday in the future, five years from now, maybe on on brain next talks, and you will say, okay, this is already happening. Yeah.
1: Yeah, great. yeah well,
0: I'm excited. Well, great. Thank you for giving us that vision, Harvey. We we certainly love, uh, you know, talking about sort of the realistic future of AI in healthcare, and that's what we need from experts like you. We're going to um, wrap up in the next two or three minutes, but before we do wrap up, you know, for for the listeners, you know, Dr. Castro is also a um, motivational speaker and he's done courses on success reinvention and and transformation and so on and so forth and harvey i i I know that that we don't have enough time today to talk to our listeners about all of what you do but do you have you have two minutes in which to inspire our listeners. Please go ahead. The floor is yours. What, what would you say today to inspire our listeners?
1: You know, uh, one of the things I've noticed, obviously, I'm we're, we're all talking to majority doctors here. And, and, and what's interesting, I do a lot of talks with doctors. And one of the number one things that I personally have found is that pa- doctors don't want to take the next step because they're scared of failing. I'm going to motivate everybody out there and saying, it's okay to take the next step. Just take the calculated risk. If you're lacking in X and Y and you want to start a new company, a new endeavor, then it's kind of like marriage. Find that uh, perfect spouse that's the opposite of you to compliment you, to help you. So if you're great at science and medicine, then help you find that business partner that knows business better than you do. That's one thing. Second, we're all life learners. You know, I'm going to encourage everybody out there just to learn what you're passionate about. For me, I'm passionate about AI, uh, AI and healthcare, and I'm learning about it constantly and uh, going out there and just reading everything I can and learning as much as I can. I'm going to encourage everybody. You, just like uh, I think a lot of doctors, sometimes we lose our fire in that we get to that place. We've got those initials. We get through residency. We, we made it through our practice, and we've kind of established ourselves. I'm going to challenge everyone out there and say, you know what? Find that new passion. Pretend you're going back to med school. You're trying to do X, Y, and and tap into that strong Y of yours to get to that next level.
0: Yes, indeed, it's all about getting to the next level and understanding our our true potential. So, uh, I appreciate your time today, Harvey. Uh, I know this was short and sweet, uh, but um, I'll tell you that uh, this has been this has been great. It's been a wonderful conversation. And uh, thank you for keeping us real and helping us visualize a future uh, where we will sort of uh, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk as far as AI and healthcare is concerned. And um, once more, I, I, I cannot thank you enough for um, you know, your words of wisdom today. And I hope that uh, you know, we'll continue this conversation in, in the months and years to come.
1: Well, I feel like I found a new friend. So it was an honor meeting you, and and let's keep in touch. And uh, any way I can help, I'm on social media. So anybody out there, feel free to jump on LinkedIn and type in Harvey Castro MD, or any social media. I'm, that's my call letters, Harvey Castro MD. So I hope to connect with everybody. And thank you.
0: All right, listeners, you heard it. Uh, it's Harvey Castro MD. Um, just type it in and and connect with Dr. Castro. And as far as BrainX Talks is concerned, we are going to come to the end of another edition of this wonderful podcast. For all who are interested, please come over to our LinkedIn page to be a part of the BrainX community. It costs you nothing and adds so much more to what you learn and do with big data analytics analytics. And also look at brainxai.org for more information. We are all about collaboration. Drop us a line. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, stay safe, everyone.